Phoenix Down Radio is on the air. Welcome everybody to Phoenix Down Radio, episode number 124. I am your host, Klaus Nightbringer, and joining me today, actually in-game this time, we have Talas Marvelous. Talas, how are you doing today, buddy? Doing awesome, man. How have you been the last couple of weeks? I have been extremely busy. It's been insane. Uh, just a heads up, uh, Sayer is taking the episode off again. Um, he's still, you know, trying to work through everything he needs to work through. And uh, he might uh, pop into the chat like he did last time. But, uh, you know, we, we want Sayer to make sure that he is able to do what he needs to do. So, cool. It's just going to be the two of us again and a couple of Onion Knights. You'll find out uh, why in a minute. So there, <laughs> does this mean we have a party of four? Uh, sure. So does I, this also mean that all four of us can change jobs? Well, I could, but that would require having... Yeah, it's, it's a pain. <laughs> well, what, wouldn't we potentially lose some, uh, um, some of our battle damage until, for a couple of battles? Yes. We, we we would be useless for the next two battles. Well, as long as our onion knights are high enough level, they can they can uh, carry us. It's true. Onion knights are great. They're either the dump the dump thing that's just the beginning garbage class, or they are your top tier maxed out nine 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 damage class. Unless you're playing the uh, the the DS remake, when which they nerfed them a little bit, but they buffed them at the beginning, just a touch. I mean, yeah. you start as a freelancer in that game. Yeah, they kind of, it was one of those bits where they decided to change some words up. Um, like alchemist and chemist are, became sort of a fusion thing. Uh, warrior versus, like, what are they called here? Marauders? Like, it was just a terminology. Yeah, Viking. Like, they've, it was a terminology shift, but mm-hmm. it all ended up working out in the end. Yep. But yeah, so we, we, we have an, a fun discussion coming up uh, regarding Final Fantasy III, in case you couldn't tell. <laughs> We're gonna be talking Surprise! about. We're gonna be talking about the original soundtrack, not from the uh, DS or uh, subsequent remakes. Uh, we are going all the way back to the original Famicom in Japan, because not 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 a lot of people over here have heard that. So, I uh, hope you guys enjoy it. Uh, also, want to w- uh, throw a shout out to everybody out there and wish everybody a happy Pride Month and a happy World Pride Day. Wait, there's a day? Yes. Not just a month? I happen to to catch it on the social medias. Today is World Pride Day. I mean, I'm aromantic, so it explains why I missed the obvious thing. But, you know, (laughs) that's pretty great. I'm just a a, a guy who's an ally and doesn't date anyway, but uh, whatever. (laughs) Um, Still, like I said, um, supporting everybody out there. Um, Stay safe. You know, if you're going to have a little party, do a, uh, you know, do it socially distant and, and just be smart about it. But, uh, be so- smart, but have fun. Exactly. So tell us, what have you been up to since the last episode? So after beating the FF seven remake, finally, and beating persona five Royal and oh, beating Saints Row beat three, seven. I yeah, you, I did, I, finally. I, I thought you weren't going to go back to that uh, hot pile of trash, as you so put it. Uh, no, I decided to finish it out of spite. Um, 
but I finished seven. I finished Saints Row Three Remastered. I finished. And he glances, the first... he glasses right over it as well. <laughs> I just, I beat everything that was worth playing and some crap that showed up. <laughs> oh, so you played World of Warcraft? No, actually, I managed to I'm stay kidding, away from World of Warcraft. Uh, I did stay away from that. Uh, but I did finally do something that I have not done since the very launch of this game. There is one job, which isn't even a job, it is a class still, uh, that I had not gotten out of single digit level. It was still level six, and I had gear for it sitting in my armory chest. I had a level six archer. Wow. So, this whole patch lull before 5.3 has officially gone on long enough that the legacy player who had a single digit level job class has finally leveled that job class. Wow. I'm only level 24, but I actually put in some pointed effort for the first time literally ever. Well, I mean, I might be a bard someday. You, bar, Archer's fun. It's it's not bad. I'm it, not it, minding it's, it. It's a lot better than the job that I still have sitting at level 19. Which is? Or the, the class. Hmm? Thaumaturge. Which is? Oh, God. Yeah. I, I took some advice from you. Uh, I wanted to see all the 70 to 80 uh, storyline. And so I leveled up. Uh, I leveled up Summoner that I could do the summoner and the scholar so I could get the healer story as well Mm -hmm. without having to level up an extra class. Eh, it works, right? Exactly. So my summoner's like 70, summoner scholar's at 71, and my archer's at 24. The stories Um, are are, are remarkably good. And that's that's my motivation, is I want to see it for the writing. And once once you're level 15, you just hit your daily leveling roulette and it's not too bad i don't want to bring any i don't want to force anybody to have to deal with me on thaumaturge in sestasha okay (laughs) it's i i i am so bad at that job i hate that job so much you also have the problem of thaumaturge sub 50 was designed for a drastically different game than we're currently playing that's true i mean i'm trying to get it to at least 30 so i can or or, i'm trying to figure out the best way to get it to 30 because at that point i can at least level it uh by not having to touch it (laughs) yeah i mean that's what i'm doing with the other jobs that i have at 30 because i'm currently working on um dark knight i'm using the pvp roulette to level it up i'm up to 34 Four right now, I believe. I've only, I only run a couple of PvP roulettes a week because sometimes it, it's hit or miss as to how much time I have. But um, yeah, it's I love it because PvP does 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 PvP do EXP now? Um, if you do the roulette, you get XP. I was like, I thought PvP didn't do that, but yeah, the roulette that makes sense. But the greatest part about PvP roulettes is what Nicknar said in the chat you can actually queue in as the job, then switch to a better job to play and get the credits on the job you let you queued in as. I do like cheating the system. That does sound pretty great. I mean, that, I, I don't like how Dark Knight plays early on. It'll be different once I hit 50 and have to take it through um, Prey Prey or uh, um, Castrum Boringness. 
But um, at that point, you know, you're, you're just running through and you're smashing a few buttons, but you, you start to learn how the job works. I mean, because right now, the job I'm running through that portion is uh, um, Machinist, and I hated how early Machinist worked. I leveled it up Agreed. Through, through PvP, got to 50. The 50 rotation is not bad. Once you, once you start figuring it out, it's actually, it gets a little, to be a bit more fun. At least I'm also a big fan of Crystal Tower because that way it's like, well, how's it going? It's like, it's going fine because there's 15 DPS. And if three or four of us are dicking around trying to figure out our rotation, we're still going to be okay. But at least with uh, MSQ Roulette, there is no chance of wiping because somebody didn't stand on the pads. Yeah, that's... I can't believe that's still a thing. That's still in a thing. In 2020, the year of our Lord. But here we are. What, it's my it's, year? It, Sorry. I have, I have wiped in CT for that exact thing, like, recently. <laughs> Not... Sorry. I'm bad. I'm terrible. I'll stop. <laughs> no! It's all good. Uh, but, uh, so yeah, that's kind of... I've been doing that as well. I mean, like I said... I have three jobs I'm currently leveling. I am about uh, a third of a level away from hitting 80 on my uh, samurai. I have level 70 uh, ninja ready to jump in at that point. And then I have um, my, my machinist. I, I can talk today. I'm real good at it. Um, machinist is at like 60 something right now. So, I mean, that's jumping up real fast. And then, you know, slowly pushing up Dark Knight. So, just continuing to do it. And I, the, once I hit 80 on Samurai, that's going to be 12 jobs I'll have at level 80. So Let's see. 8, 3, plus 2, 13. But two are combat classes, and the rest are gathering and crafting. I'm not including the crafters and gatherers, because those are all 80 as well. Yeah, I'm, I'm, no, I'm mine is talking D-O-W-D-O-M. Yeah, I have two. One has a sword, one has an axe. Hmm. Next, the next one will have a bow. <laughs> Actually, the next one's probably going to have a book, honestly, just because that's yeah, the thing. Yeah, you're close. Closest. You're close, yeah. I mean, I'm hitting fairies. I'm hitting fairies and leveling roulette every once in a while. Yeah, it's I mean, not too bad. You get, you know, once you get up there, you're getting 2 million XP per quest, you know, so 6 plus million XP a day. Yeah, it's, and it takes 15 minutes, if that. Exactly. I, I do it in, while I'm waiting for uh, um, either le um, MSQ roulette or even expert roulette, honestly. So I do it when, if I have a very late night at work so that I can just kind of zero brain power, but still get something done. Yeah. Um, but as far as what else I've been up to, I've been working a ton. Last week I was on call. Next week I go on call again. Um, be covering an on call for a friend who has been out on medical leave. And it'll be an opportunity to get a little extra money before it goes away. So, you know, cause as long as you're staying safe and your employer is taking care of you to stay safe. And this isn't just for Klaus. This is everybody mm -hmm. get to work, do what you can. We'll take care of yourself first. Well, it's nice, you know, the, you know, primary job requires masks, you know, for everybody in the building. 
patrons, workers, everybody. We can take it off when we're in our office, but um, if you're if you're if you leave your office, mask is on. Our cubicles are all on the sales floor, so I'm just kind of like meh, mask on. Understandable. I mean, until you get to a point where you've you've been working with somebody for a, a long enough period to where you basically your circles have merged, you know. Yeah. As far as yep. But uh, thankfully, customers are only in our store for about two and a half hours and then they leave forty thousand dollars less in their wallet and we have one car less in the inventory yeah. but one cool thing i did just order today mm -hmm. um i up i finally ordered that dslr camera i've been looking at for doing stills and for doing video yep well i'm, I'm also going to use it as the webcam on streams be oh snap that's going to be awesome yep i i found what what started all of this, you know, for the longest time, cam links um, have been like $300 because they've been so hard to get. Yep. Um, but uh, production has been uh, in, uh, continued with Elgato, and uh, they're starting to come out more. I was able to find one on Amazon through their um, UK store. They actually allowed me to buy it from Amazon.com through the UK store. For 130 bucks and you just paid for the shipping yeah so i mean there's a little extra shipping and tax so i mean it was 150 dollars <laughs> with that and then i had a 20 dollars gift card so 130 bucks and i've got myself a cam link on the way so with that i've i've tried to find the best deal on a uh a canon eos rebel sl3 or um actually it's the 250d exact same camera just one's the U.S. model one is the international model. They're exactly the same otherwise. Got that on order. Um, ordered a 50 millimeter um, prime lens uh, that I want to use for streaming. And I, you know, a really good quality uh, lens. Hopefully get some nice effect with it. I've been doing a lot of research on this and I've been wanting one of these for a while. But... Um, and then I also got the kit so I can take it with and use it as a, a vlogging cam. I, I picked up a microphone for it, a um, couple of uh, big SD cards, a bag. So, you know, it should be a nice kit, and I'll also be able to use it as a regular camera, too. The, the, the one I bought has the standard kit lens, 18 to 55 millimeter, but it also comes with a 55 to 250 millimeter zoom lens. So are you going to do the walk and talk vlog thing? Um... Not necessarily. Maybe if, if we get people interested in it? Question mark? We could do it at FanFest! I mean, oh. <laughs> but no, I mean, that was my thought. You know, if I go to a convention, yeah. it'd be great to do a an on-the-floor, you know, a video. Not have to do it from my cell phone. I can use this camera, connect it via Bluetooth to my cell phone, broadcast out that way or record it in 4k and, and edit it later edit it later put it up on youtube wherever you know lots of stuff we can do with that so yay for equipment giving us new options i know right but i will say this if you, if you are also looking to do this it is not cheap i mean oh a cam link is like 130 bucks when they're on the normal price um the the camera with the two lenses was like six hundred and thirty bucks, um, and then the the 
assorted uh, um, accessories and things that I got, like the, the cards, the extra lens, the bag, the power adapter. That was another $250, so you know, you're looking at $1,000. Meanwhile, I'm over here like, hey, I found this really dumb K-Truck camper van that's showing up. It's like three grand. I should buy that. Well, but I mean, that could potentially be home. For me, it probably Th is. That's different. You know, that's very different from, from what I'm doing. But you know what you could do with that, that K-Truck? Hmm. You could drive that on I-90. <laughs> and plug into some dude's house in Minnesota. Yeah, you, you could find some dude in, in the middle of Minnesota and plug into his garage. And uh, you, can, you can then chill in, in his man cave and then we could do some really awesome shit. So what I'm hearing is summer 2021 plans. You can, or whenever the hell you want, man. Whenever the hell you want. You, you have an open invitation to come visit me anytime. Rad, dude. That would, I'm definitely going to take advantage of that. That would be sweet. Absolutely. But not you other people. You scare me. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Nick Except for everybody house. that lives nearby and has already hung out and gone axe throwing. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, Saito, he's, all, he's welcome to, to come visit. Um, I love you guys. You know that. Except Sarah, you're evil. Team Phoenix Down has arrived. <laughs> yes, Nick Nar, you scare you. I, I agree. All right. Um, so yeah, that's kind of what we've been up to for the last couple of weeks. If you want to share your stories, um, you can always uh, hit us up on Twitter at PHXDN Radio. Um, just uh, tell us what you've been up to. You can also go uh, email us podcast at phoenixdownradio.com. We might even read it on the air. That we probably be, will. More than likely, because, well, there's not much to talk about. When's the last time we actually got an email? Um, not from spam? <laughs> Correct, not from spam. Um. <laughs> I was wondering, because, like, the last email I know we saw was um, all of the single moms in my area that wanted to meet me, but uh, all of the links just sent me to this lottery website where I entered all my credit card numbers, and if one of them was lucky, I was going to win a prize. Did you win? So about that $3,000 van that I'm about to go live in. <laughs> oh, so, oh, you can't get that anymore. I'm sorry. No, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> uh, but there, I was able to do, a, we did a little bit of searching today, and I was able to find a, a bit of interesting Final Fantasy news. I hope you guys find this interesting as well. Uh, let's start with a little bit of... Uh, Talos' favorite game, Final Fantasy VII. Ooh, baby, ooh, baby. <laughs> um, this one actually comes from our friends over at PSU.com. You know, one of the uh, people who works there is some weird guy named Ben Shillabier Hall, a.k.a. Chili. Uh, this was written... Wasn't he a potato? Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Tried, all right. Um... So apparently, uh, work on the Final Fantasy VII Remake Part Two is uh, starting to uh, get going again. Um, the mocap artists for Tifa and Cloud have been remotely collaborating uh, to begin capture work for their characters. And we did hear before the release of of, the, of Part One that uh, planning for Part Two had already been going in full swing. So. Hopefully, you know, this COVID thing, while it's, it's slowed down progress for a lot of things, I mean, the reason why we're not in 5.3 right now, but, uh, you know, 
they're starting to slowly get going again and uh, make some progress. So hopefully we'll see a, a part two in the next couple of years. So we have to do mocap again? I thought they already had all that on lockdown from the first one. Well, when you have new scenes and new things to do, I mean, there's certain things that are going to have to be recaptured. Like specific motions and movements. Uh, that's true. As opposed to like, because like combat we've got. Like yeah, that's for the basically most part of combat. Um, I think they, they mocap uh, a little bit of the facial stuff as well during uh, um, dialogue. I know they, they, so had, they had used a little bit of uh, um, um, AI to make some changes between the different uh, language packs, but uh, I think a lot of it still had some mocap um, aspect to it. Okay, that makes more sense. So, yeah, I mean, we definitely have the best motion. Okay, I will say this. For all the hate that I give 7 Remake, they have the best motion capture scene already on lock. It's the dance scene. <laughs> that was one of the funniest moments in that entire game. That was that was a good. That was good. That was really good. That was good. It was a tough mini game though. I oh, had, it was. I had to do it. I think I did it three times before I got a score that I wasn't completely mad at. Well, I had to do it at least six times to get the actual uh, achievement. Oh, I didn't get the achievement. Well, I'm I'm a I'm a completionist. I have to get the achievements if I can. True. Yeah, I just wanted to get done, but that was fun. So I was like, I'm gonna do this one again. Um, and I I found an interesting little article as I was searching through Final Fantasy VII news. This one's from about a month ago, but and it's from our favorite website Kotaku. Maybe, but it's funny. I, I oh, I this one is super good. I remember this one now. Uh. Eight weird questions the author has about the weird box-breaking game in Final Fantasy VII. It, it, it's, it's actually really cute. Um, it, it's written tongue-in-cheek. Yes, he's thinking logistically now. Where the fuck did they get these boxes from? How long did it take them to stack them up? Do they have to recreate them every time they get smashed down? Who all has access to these boxes? Why is anyone so else playing this box game? Yeah. But I mean it it is a fun game. I mean, did you play through it to get the high score stuff everything in those? Uh I think I got the I think I got all the rewards out of it. Um Well, you have to get I high score I, for both of them in order to get all the rewards. I don't think I got all the rewards. I think I I got all the materia and gear. I think that was kind of my my unit of measurement. Okay, you didn't get the 30,000 points on the last one then. The hard I don't mode. think so. I don't think so. It took me a few tries to get to it, but why? It's it... understanding how to hit everything. Yeah. It's not just smash. You gotta have a strat. Yep, and you have to. Uh, ha you have to have the right um, weapon equipped because in this game, the only uh, limit breaks you have access to are the ones equipped for the weapon. Yeah, I did notice that pretty early on. I was like, uh, this is useless. What do I do? Oh, I need an AoE. Oh, the AoE doesn't hit hard enough to break the 1500s. Okay, then which one do I actually need? Like, it, it required an interesting amount of thought process, as opposed to it being like a boss fight, which you have to strategize your way through. This was a boss fight, but it was boxes. It was good. I enjoyed it. Yeah. It's a cute article. Like I said, Kotaku occasionally has some fun articles like that. I mean, they also have some trash, but um, 
then again, I think most places have a lot of shit, you know, that, that, that they print out because they need to get so many uh, page views or something, but this one I thought was cute. So go check it it's out. It's good. Why doesn't anybody else think this is odd? <laughs> so yeah, there's that little article. And then uh, Final Fantasy XIV news. Um, if you guys have noticed on the social media, um, they're bringing back the, uh, the Dragon Quest X crossover event. I don't remember if I did this or not. There's a good chance I, you probably did. I think it involves Z-Poof-Poof. I think I did. I don't remember. I wanted to play Dragon Quest X, but it was just, it wasn't worth the hacksaws I would have to do to play it, so I just decided to skip it. Well, but... it's out now. You can get it on PS4. Oh, is it? Mm -hmm. Oh, right. Yeah. DX, DQ10, DQ11. They're both out on PS4, along with Builders. I, nah, Builders is whatever, but... Builders 2. Yeah. I like RPGs, not, not building games, not construction games. I wonder if they're going to uh, remaster any of the other uh, DQ games. Because there's a number of them that weren't available in the US, I thought. Like 5, 6, 7 for a while. There was a couple that were available in, um, in Europe that were on, I believe it was the DS and or 3ds i don't remember which and because i were in testing when i was at nintendo and i didn't know they were in testing until it came out and my friends were like oh yeah that looks like a neat game and then i watched them play for a few minutes and i was like oh yeah that sure is a neat game i wonder if you've played it before and they're like oh no no it just came out i'm like yeah sure all right <laughs> it's not hard to figure out so there's a few <laughs> games that were eu only hmm. that i've seen that i've seen but i don't remember what they were it was years ago. Because wasn't it only Dragon Warrior 1 through 4 that made it into the U.S.? I think so. Um, I know that one of the conference rooms at Nintendo is named Dragon Warrior. We held meetings there all the time. That was but, probably a cool-looking room, huh? <laughs> it was actually one of the most boring... Like, it's literally like the most boring, Oh, so they, they, did, they didn't actually building. decorate them to match the, the, the name? Nope, nope. Uh, my Fucking office was lame. Star Wolf for a while. Uh, that was cool. Uh, <laughs> but, like, they're just really stock boring cubicles, which is really unfortunate. Ew. I mean, you but the 4600 building that they built, they actually themed all of the walls and decorations to be like the block fort in Mario Kart 64. So that was pretty great. Okay. Um, but similar to the Final Fantasy Eleven event that they brought back um if you've already done this event um you cannot retake the redo the event a second time it's identical so I, you could do the event and there was just no reward i don't know i don't think it even shows up i know it's dumb but like it'd be nice to be able to do it again yeah you've I, previously gotten the rewards from this event oh okay so you can't have any fun no go do something else like level your crafters nick nar <laughs> yes i'm calling you out came here to have a good time and he's just getting attacked <laughs> no <laughs> no in the chat just no can we get some no in the chat for nick nar leveling crafters <laughs> come on Aurora, pressure him 
Um, another bit of information that I found was um, the previously uh, exclusive Domen Mahjong set that was supposed to be JP only uh, will be uh, coming to the US and uh, EU uh, in July. Uh, they uh, are currently have pre-orders up on the uh, Square Enix uh, websites for NA and EU. It's $189.99. Holy crap! Okay. $190 for the Mahjong set. Or if you live in Europe, it's 216 euros. That's a bunch. Um, and if you want to play it on the Domen Mahjong mat, that's an additional $70. Or 76 euros. Now, I don't know how much Mahjong sets cost. But I have a feeling that this is high. Yeah. It's nice looking, don't get me wrong. I put a link to the, uh, um, to the, the, the news page on the Final Fantasy website if you're interested in taking a look. So, Looks really good. out of curiosity, I just decided to throw down and see where we're at as far as pricing structure is concerned. I mean, that's $260 if you wanted both. There's a white swan ivory tiled mahjong set available for 150 bucks. Okay, so there's a 40 bucks. Very ni- yeah, there's a very nice marble set that's from Neiman Marcus that's 180 bucks. So that's so ne- like Neiman that's Marcus actually not too name, bad. But that's Neiman Marcus. I mean, you, that is a luxury brand. You're you're buying a luxury item. Exactly, but even so, like that's not. Or you can go down to Target or Walmart and you can get your basic Mahjong set for like 30 bucks. Yeah, you get a plastic set one. Yeah, it's going to be 30 bucks. Yeah, I don't know if these are plastic or resin, but. If they're resin or. They look nice. Slate or something, or they have some heft and weight to them. Yeah, sure. But if I get a $190 set of plastic tiles, I'm going to be really bad. I'm pretty sure that they actually worked with a, a company that does premium Mahjong sets. To design this and, and make it for them. That's why it's got okay. a premium price tag. But because you gotta pay everybody. Yes. But like I said, it's still out of my range. I'd rather spend that money on a uh, a Hardy Daytona or a um an Ishtola or I can get an Ishtola and a Stinian for that. You know? Dang. Yeah. And maybe have enough money to buy off uh, a fat bottomed Xenos. <laughs> I just, I don't have anywhere to go with that. That's very closed as it is. <laughs> well, I mean, those don't sell for a ton on third party sites right now. I think you can get it for like 50 bucks on eBay or something like that. Oh, dang. That's a lot less than I thought. Yeah. Well, I mean,. It, like I said, they they came with the 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 Stormblood um, collector's edition. So, Nick Nar, hey, they have a fifty five dollar t shirt. Yes, they do. Yeah, have a for Windhurst. Now, if they like I said, if they had it for Sandoria or Bestock, you know, I might be interested. But uh, yeah, no, same. Because I know you you were uh, you were in Sandoria. San, you're, I'm Sandoria. You were Bestock, right? Yep. We talked about yeah. this on the last episode. Yep, yep. Um, so yeah, now that we got a little bit of Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles news, there was a new trailer released for the uh, the upcoming um, remastered version. 
give a comment. I'm already excited about it, so I have not been watching the trailers because I just know I was going to buy it. I want to carry the bucket. The big news that came out of this, though, was the fact that there's going to be a demo or light version that's going to be free to download at the same time as the full game on August 27th. So if we didn't have a release date, we have a release date of August 27th. Um, this light version will allow you to play through the first three dungeons on your own, but and it'll also let you save your data and carry it over if you buy the full version. But players who own... That's a Square Enix thing, and I love it. But players who own the full game can host multiplayer sessions where light version players can join in on their adventures. How cool the is that? The light version is free. Yes. You just have to have PlayStation Plus or a Nintendo Online subscription. So the biggest, issue, the biggest issue that we had with Crystal Chronicles and Four Swords and everything kind of in that era was we needed, I mean, for Crystal Chronicles, we needed five consoles, a TV, and four cords specific to that use. It was horrendously expensive for what it was. Now, I buy a copy of the game for 60 bucks. We all have PlayStation Plus, and you, me, Sarah, and Chili are playing instantly. Yep. We just have to download the free version if we didn't buy the game. Um, you have to host it if you're the person who owns the game. But we all then play with you. And Those we... sound like very low barriers to entry. I really like that. The only issue that I'm seeing is I don't see it for a pre-order anywhere yet. So set an alarm on your phone. We'll hit this up. That sounds awesome. Well, like I said, I, I was going to put a pre-order up on Amazon. But they've got a placeholder, but there's no price. It's currently unavailable. Uh, just hang tight then. I know. It's, it's going to be coming probably in the next three weeks. If it's released August 27th? Yeah. It, it better be out in the next three weeks. Something, maybe four. Yeah. But I suppose maybe they just haven't put, put it out yet because of the whole COVID thing. There have been other things and that have taken priority. There's always a chance that something will change, and frankly, there's only yeah. so much that anybody can do. Like, we gotta uh, be careful. I would say at this point, they're probably damn close to uh, finishing the game, though. If it's not already gone gold, and it's ready to go, gold and we're just waiting. nowadays doesn't require that much more lead time. I mean, I heard games going gold like a month before release. We have two months yet. True. The last time I worked in gaming was seven years ago. If something went gold, you weren't seeing a you weren't seeing it in stores for six or seven months. Yeah. But I mean, you also had to print out a lot of discs or you had to create a lot of ROMs or whatever. Yep. I, when I did it, the 3DS was new. Mm -hmm. Like, that's how long ago it's yeah, been. So still all on. Those were like specialized SD cards, basically, weren't they? Effectively, yeah. But like, I had friends that worked on the wonderful 101 as a pre launch title for the Wii U. So seeing it at being remastered, I just kind of have to sit back and go, how long have I been out of this industry <laughs> <laughs> when something was unheard of when I started in development when I ended and is remastered now? <laughs> like, oh, God, <laughs> like I didn't think I was that old, but here we are. You're old. I'm ancient. What does that make me then? I have nothing that is not completely beyond the level of acceptable insult right now, so I'm just not going with anything. 
<laughs> All right, so we have a little bit of other Final Fantasy news to talk about. Um, the last couple of weeks, the uh, folks out at uh, Distant Worlds announced a new digital collection album for Final Fantasy VII. Um, it's a collection of the different Final Fantasy VII uh, music that they created with a Distant Worlds and a New World Final Fantasy. Oh, sweet! It includes ten tracks from a Distant Worlds and a New World. Um, you can buy it for eight fifty out at uh, their Bandcamp site, or you can go to the uh, the Distant Worlds website and listen to it as well as all of the other um, Distant World discs for free right now. Because of COVID and people being stuck at home, they are allowing people to listen to all this amazing music for free right now. I love that artists are just like, hey, everything sucks. Here's everything that I've created for your listening or viewing or reading pleasure. Some. Some of some. the good. I mean, because we're also this is also the time frame where we're getting uh, streamers who are getting banned from their platforms because of DMCA violations. Because, Very true. Because the recording industry isn't making any money right now. So they're doing janky things. Yeah. Everybody's favorite four-letter acronym, RIAA, is uh, added again. But again, we do get a few good people like this who are like, hey, here's our music. We know this is a tough time. Go listen to it. If you can afford it later on, go buy it. We'll be here. Enjoy that positive emotional response that these tracks will elicit. Oh, God. I am still going back to that day in March last year. That was, um, it was a life-changing experience. And I think Saito can agree with that. And Nick Nar, they are both with me. And Yelta, if she's out there. It was beautiful sitting back in this nice old theater, listening to a full orchestra just play amazing Final Fantasy music. If you can because ever see it live, it, do it. Hearing it in a theater, hearing it with an orchestra, hearing it with the reverb off of the wooden wall that you're sitting next to is so different than headphones. Yeah, the, it's so different than your office chair. The it's so yeah, different than your car. You're, you're getting the analog experience of it. Uh, you're getting all the nuance. You're getting the, the tiny things that cannot be reproduced digitally. I mean, they're getting really good at digital reproduction of music, and music sounds great, but nothing beats a live performance. Have you heard there's a lot of, uh, a lot of bands that are trying to have that kind of classical look? They'll have that record-playing feedback scratch at the start of a song, and they'll record like parts of their verses in mono, and then their chorus will be in stereo. Like you hear these this type of track and you go, everything used to sound like this and it feels different. It doesn't mm -hmm. just sound different, it feels different. Well, I mean, even if you listen to like an old um, you know, vinyl album. Exactly. Because I mean you're not you're not reproducing things on bits and bytes. It is an, it's an analog medium. So you're it's actually the needle is reading the, the different variations within the grooves and turning that those vibrations into 
a, a reproduction of the original music and it it's i mean that's why vinyl has a resurgence right now to the audio purists because we also have time to listen to it and it's cool <laughs> to listen to oh i love when i was younger i loved listening to my dad's lps i mean i he had an old set of huge can monitor headphones i think they were were they pioneer they might have been pioneer you know big white headphones that went over the ears um plugged into his tube powered amplifier you know hooked, oh, in, hooked into the, the 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 turntable and we would sit there and we would listen to it and we would just smile he would smile watching us listen to this stuff. I mean, most of it was this was stuff from like the 50s, 60s, and the 70s. It, you know, because that's, that's when my dad grew yep. up. Yep. But just listening to those songs and then, you know, if you compare it to nowadays, I mean, it's, it sounded rough, but it also had those little things that just you can't reproduce on a CD. There was a band from British Columbia. They did an album that was loosely themed around the Goonies. Um, the album was called Astoria. And the cover of the album was a golden skull with a bunch of stuff around it. And they decided that they wanted to record part of the album in Astoria, Oregon. Hmm. And there was parts of it that like, they didn't have all of their recording equipment and stuff. And they actually talked to the original homeowner of the house of the two kids and they actually recorded part of one of the tracks in her living room. Hmm, interesting. Just, just to say that they did just <laughs> to have that experience, just to have that sound. That's crazy. That wasn't quite perfect. And it sounds awesome and it was super cool, but it was just because they can. We're doing it. Music is so much fun. Mm hmm. Oh, I mean, there's a reason why we're, we've, we're discussing music so much lately. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, continuing on, because we've got a lot more music discussion coming up. Yep. Um, this one is, well, the next two bits are actually going to be from Talos, so I'm going to let him kind of discuss them, because these are kind of his babies. These are the things that these, he really loves. These are my weird things. <laughs> so... Uh, a couple of years ago, I actually ran a tabletop role-playing game uh, system. It was called the FFRPG, and it was fan-made and fan-run, and it was a wiki page, and it was a little... Okay, it was a lot broken. Uh, but we played it for about two and a half years and had a blast with it. Group died as they do, didn't talk about it for years, didn't think about it for years. Somebody mentioned it to me, I looked it up, and it turns out there's a fourth edition of the FFRPG posted as of, like, March. So it's new-ish. They've adjusted how classes and jobs work. It's very, very fun and interesting. And we already had an entire episode where we talked about a pen and paper game. And we're not going to do that for a whole other episode. Uh, but if you would like to talk about a pen and paper game, or you're interested in a Final Fantasy-style pen and paper game, find me on Discord, message me, let's talk about it, and I would love to wax poetic about final fantasy on paper anytime well here's the first question on it you know when we talked about ff7 uh, uh old world um that mm -hmm. was based off of a d10 system so this is gonna yes. is this gonna be more based off of a uh, D, D style with uh 
the different different dice or so it's actually based on a d100 so instead of hmm. you having a 5% chance of you know a crit or 5% chance of failure on like a d20 uh this is based on a double d10 d100 system so you can get things that are 1% different and that can matter because you have a 1 in 100 chance of hitting it so when that sword or that dagger or that spell gets pumped up by 3 or 4%, that's a big range that can adjust your character. So instead of it just being, you know, 14 means you win and 13 means you lose, now it's, all right, everything between 36 and 48 achieves this secondary goal. It's a very, very fluid system that allows for a lot of flexibility. Okay. It also is designed for having faster combat because let's be real, adventuring in a tabletop game, you'll spend four hours doing something that takes four hours and you'll spend another four hours doing something that takes five minutes. So this is designed to balance missile. that. Yeah, it, no. No, cast fire. Roll a D100. You, there's a bit of math to do, but it's structured. Are there any more Mountain Dews in the fridge? Yes, there is more Mountain Dew in the fridge because all... Okay, here's the selling bit. Here's my sales bit. All mundane items are free. No, I was talking about real life. I know. I have some. Actually, it's downstairs. But all mundane items are free. So instead of having to... Who has rope? No, screw that. That's dumb. Everybody has rope and torches and food in a backpack. That's dumb. Things you buy affect your combat and your stats. It's a lot of fun to play. Anyway, find me on Discord. We'll talk about it there. Uh, next bit is actually from the Square Enix Entertainment News, which is less video game now and leaning more into their animation side. But holy shit. Uh, before you get into that, I mean, I just want to say that SC has been doubling down lately on their uh, their entertainment stuff. Yeah, they high score girl. One of my favorite animes. High score girls, crazy good. Uh, they have so much manga available on the crunch on the Crunchyroll app. Uh, Final Fantasy Lost World is also amazing, by the way. If you haven't had a chance to read it, I highly recommend it. So this is their next animation project, and the last animation project they really did was Final Fantasy Unlimited. Um, they've co-developed a few things, uh, but their last major one was for a long time ago. This is an animation project based on a DS title from like 2008, 2009. It's called The World Ends With You. And anybody that likes Square Enix music has probably played this game. Anybody that, like me, loves to be a control freak and loves really hard games probably played this game. There is now going to be an anime series about The World Ends With You. What we have as far as information is a little bit limited. Did we already throw the link up? Thank you. Yep, I, I got gotcha. um, So what we have for information is a little bit limited. We don't know where we're starting in the story. We do know that the story is about Neku, which is good. But other than that, we have no idea if we're dropping into after week three, if we're starting at the beginning of the story. If we end up with something like the Persona animes, which are atrocious, where you have to play the games where they make no sense, World Ends With You is old enough that where I'm hoping that this anime is going to actually tell that story. So if you didn't get a chance to play the game, this might be an opportunity to see that story in a new and exciting way. Hmm. Uh, it airs. Uh, there's going to be more information revealed. 
on uh, Friday, July 3rd at 6 p.m. Pacific or Saturday, July 4th at 10 a.m. Japan time on Twitch and YouTube. That's probably going to get us our release dates. Uh, so probably fall or winter series, but we're going to have a release date for that coming very soon. Very cool. So yeah, that's what we were able to dig up for news, and wow, we actually had quite a good discussion on a lot of that stuff. We did! <laughs> I mean, that already brought us into 45 minutes. Sweet! We talk a lot, don't we? We do. It's okay. <laughs> I'm just trying to keep track on time because it's something nice to, to do. I don't want to get into three-hour podcasts for a while. We don't have to. No. I don't need a three and a half hour podcast again. That was a long, long does time. That, does that mean I'm getting old when I think that that's too long? No. <laughs> yes. I don't know. I don't want to commit to an answer. How about that? Okay. Because that means you're just as old. I came here to have a good time. <laughs> I came here to drink margaritas and, and talk shit. Okay. Fair. I'm eating Chinese food and talking shit. Mmm, Chinese food. I I had a, a burrito bowl earlier, and there's our food talk. <laughs> hey, yeah, because we're not talking about the other thing for a while. They've got their own shit to figure out. <laughs> anyway. <sighs> I, yeah, I haven't seen anything come out of that since all that no. went, went down. Uh, Rappo's gone. Yeah, I know. We I talked about that on stream. Yeah, Rappo's gone, and, um... I haven't seen any videos come out. Yeah, that's because Hunsinger got fired. What? Yeah, Hunsie's gone. <sighs> yeah. I'm sad now. I honestly don't know what's gonna happen. I think that channel's gone. <laughs> Rip. It was so good, too. I just, I hope that the, uh, um... The, the, the chefs and the, uh, the, the personalities are able to do something on their own or come together with something find something else yeah yeah i mean because i they could easily you know if, if they're to say hey you know it's 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 like formal born appetite guys you know do a, a tasty kind of thing you know i'm not saying that i really like the grand tour more than top gear but the, but the, i am saying that the hosts really do make the show the current grand tour is much better than the current top gear and alluding back to yeah. Bon Appetit, I'm thinking that the hosts are going to do a lot of good things. I hope so. Sorry, sidetrack, but it just, it, it, it's relevant. I mean, there's other things we'll talk about after the show, because there's been some other shit that's been happening on uh, streaming media. I'm going to go ahead and just title this episode Rabbit Holes. Hashtag working title. We'll deal with it in a minute. <sighs> eternal rabbit holes <laughs> You'll see uh, what's a, a word for hole that starts with the letter P no we're not going there <laughs> we're not going there I tried and I you know, almost I did know it I know you tried and I, I thought about it for a second but I knew exactly where you were going with it you almost did it I worked no. really hard the hardest you've worked all episode Go <laughs> anyway. I mean, you're very accurate on that one. No, you you actually, I I I have to throw you thanks. You, you when I came into the notes today, there was actually a bunch of stuff in there from you. So I thank you for that. 
Yeah, I actually put notes in in advance this time. I know. What the hell? It was weird. <laughs> anyway, let's talk about our discussion topic. Um, oh, we have one of those? Yeah, Sweet. We're, we're, we're going we're gonna call this part three now. I, I'm retroactively changing the numbering system. We're going, okay. Um, so we're going back to the the first one was part zero, type zero, the prelude, yep. and then so each each episode is or each part is going to be based off of the uh, game that it's based off of. So in our third official installment, we are going to be talking about the final uh, game in the trilogy of NES games or Famicom games for Final Fantasy, Final Fantasy 3. We are going to specifically be discussing the Final Fantasy 3 official sound. Is what they called it. The soundtrack was called the Final Fantasy 3 official sound. It can be found out on Amazon, which is where I bought it. And, uh, Put a link in the uh, chat if you guys are interested in uh, giving it a listen. If you have Amazon Unlimited, you can listen for free. Otherwise, it's only $8 for some really amazing stuff. I also want to throw out an early thank you to FinalFantasy.Fandom.com who had all the information on the tracks for this uh, particular um, soundtrack. So let's go ahead and start right away and jump into... The Prelude. This does not sound like the Prelude from One. Not by a long shot. This does not sound like NES slash Famicom music. This is also one of those moments where people say, oh, you know, NES games all look like X. You know, it's like, no, look at Excite Bike and look at Super Mario Brothers 3. Listen to the sounds of Excite Bike and listen to the music that's coming through your ears right now. This is produced on the same piece of hardware. Granted, this is what happens when you get really, really good at what you're working with. The graphics between Final Fantasy 1, 2, and 3 were similar. There wasn't, there, yes. there wasn't much change there. I mean, if you compare that to, to Super Mario 1 versus Super Mario 3, Huge change. Massive, massive graphical upgrades. Square did not get that memo. No. <laughs> the Onion Knights for the Famicom versions look very much like the Warrior in FF1. However, Uematsu was taking full advantage of the hardware uh, limitations, and he was making some amazing stuff. The Prelude, like I said, that's, it's iconic. It is, you know... That's the thing that he made in five minutes in, in, with the original Final Fantasy and uh, felt bad with, but now he's starting to just, you know, make it a thing, and it's just beautiful. Okay, uh, according to uh, Nick Nar, the Famicom actually had a special sound chip. Yes. So that helped a little bit. But, we I mean, had such cool hardware back then. But, I mean, if you listened... The Nintendo, like the the sound in th um, Super Mario Three versus Super Mario Brothers, was much better too. Yes. So By I mean, miles. It, it is entirely possible that they were just getting that much better with you know utilizing the the full um, spectrum of what could be done 
versus, you know, just learning it for the first time? Well, when we were starting to make music in 1986 for this, because the first game came out in 87, like, we were kind of winging it. By this point, you're look. it's 1989, 1990. Yep. So development has, has grown. A lot has happened. There's been a lot of time to mess around with it, you know, find the little things that you could do to, uh, quote-unquote, cheat the system to make it sound richer than it actually is, and, uh... But still, it's uh, an amazing change. Next track that we have on the list, though. The Crystal Cave. This is a background theme for dungeons where crystals reside. And as we know, in Final Fantasy III, there were four crystals. One for each element. And that beginning sound is actually the sound of them falling into the cave. Yep, that very first cave you actually fall into and you have to work your way out of it. <laughs> Which I love that they kept that in the remake. I, yeah, and I like that they adjusted it for the remake so that it made more sense with the little additional story bits that yep. they added with Lunith and Ark. And it's like, no, we still kept this. But we adjusted it to what we were building. Yes. I like how they, they use the, uh, the two notes to kind of make a trill sound. Right? Like, it's that... It's amazing that they were able to do that with what we have. Because in, a, like, a piano, you press the pedal down and it holds that, that sound. But for this, we don't really have the ability to hold that note without it going flat. Or sounding flat, at mm -hmm. the very least. Well, well, in, with, with digital music, you know, you have, you know, you could have a note extend for an infinite amount of time. You know, they have to actually build in the, the decay and the release. Those are all different pieces that they have to, you know, program into the music. Whereas with an analog piano, the string has a natural um, resonance that will cause it to slowly start to fade off. Unless you were to mute it. You still there? Yep, I'm still oh, here. Okay, I was just like, did I bore you to death? Did you fall asleep? What? Nope, nope, nope. <laughs> but, uh, so I mean... Now I'm looking for a couple other things oh, for I'm, I'm other saying, tracks. And I know Nicknar has been uh, um, chatting up some information about the actual hardware of the Famicom that varied from the Nintendo Entertainment System, but... Uh, that is true. We had... God, how many pieces of hardware were there? It was a lot. There was like four Famicoms and I think th two different NESs plus the top loader for three. And we had six hardware setups. That's a lot. I only thought there was the, the two. There was the original one, the original front loader, and then the uh, the redesign that looked like um, the, the top load. Yeah, that looked like yeah. a similar version to the Super NES. The front load had two different uh, model iterations. But did it have much different hardware? Um, in so far as like brands, like if you were to build a computer and you used Intel and I used AMD, but we both had the same processing power. Like, we're going to get very similar results across the board. 
but we have one brand name different. But at the end of the day, all the numbers lined up. And that was usually things like like RAM or who was able to do the soldering or who their boards were produced by or who made the 121 pin adapter. Things like that mm. uh, was just based on availability. So if you had a couple different brands, you would end up with a couple different builds of every piece of hardware. Very Okay. I just want to make sure that it wasn't like a, 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 a slight upgrade where they were able to find different hardware that improved no. certain bits. No, it's it wasn't like, well, like the Sega Genesis, there was two versions. There was the huge one, and then there was the slightly smaller square one. The square one had a 16-bit processor in it. The huge one had two simultaneously running 8-bit processors. All right, our editor slash moderator, Nick Nar has now verified that while there were nine specialized sound chips that were used for specific cartridges, uh, it appears that uh, Final Fantasy III used all OG Famicom. So he brought all that up just to end up rolling it all back. Do you know what I love about the internet? <laughs> Everything. But we... seriously, if you want the right answer, it's easier to post publicly the wrong answer and have people correct you than it is to find the right answer on well, your own. The, the problem was is he was the one who published the wrong answer to begin with. Rip. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Nick Nar. We appreciate no, we do, your I, I do contribution. It. Absolutely, 100%. No, we, we, we just have to give you crap because we can. Because we love you. Anyway, moving on. The next track on the list um, is uh, some of the battle music because when you fall into that cavern, it's not just a crystal. Goblins! It starts out like all the, the same battle music, but it, it, it changes just a little bit. Also, who has who plays Final Fantasy fourteen? It should be a lot of you. Uh, <laughs> Crystal Tower? <laughs> Anybody? They use that. They use a lot of these chord progressions in the Crystal Tower music. Well, I wonder why. I don't know. Crazy. I, I Weird, have no right? idea why they would do something like that. For everybody that's like just did not catch on, uh, there is Syracuse Tower sitting between the two of us here on the couches, and we have our onion nights out specifically for tonight. <laughs> yeah, I actually went to the market board and bought Circus Tower so we could have it here. We thought about actually doing it either in um, Crystarium or Lakeland or in Mordona, but uh, it was raining. weather. We literally went out there, it was pouring down rain, we looked at it, we're like, this looks like crap, and so we just bought this and came into the house instead. Yes. So, I hope you guys appreciate that. And we placed it so we can't resell it. I wouldn't I wouldn't have resold it anyway, I actually like it, it's kind of a neat it's, looking piece. It's pretty neat. But, uh, so the battle music plays during random encounters, as battle music does. Um, now, note, this is called... Oh. So, apparently, on the uh, soundtrack, they include the victory theme with it as well. Which is kind of nice. Hoping that we were going to land on that while we were listening to it. That was great. <laughs> I know! I, I, I honestly didn't get a chance to listen to all the music ahead of time, so... We're, we're listening to this just as you are. So, we're, we're kind of getting all getting the same experience together. We are... We're having an unboxing. <laughs> We're hitting it at the same spot you are. Yeah, I mean, because realistically, who here actually imported a Famicom to play Final Fantasy III? Raise God. your hand. Anybody? My hand is down. The Anybody? first thing I imported was a PS2. Anybody? Bueller? Bueller? <laughs> but, uh, so, 
I wanted to go back to the original version just because a the majority of gamers in the U.S. at least probably have not experienced it, and b I I, I it would be nice to keep it as a NES slash Famicom trilogy for the first three games because the next three games are all going to be SNES or Super Famicom. So and then the next three games after that are going to be uh, PlayStation PS One. Yep, we moved to S generation for six games, and then everything goes buck wild in 13. <laughs> That's right, 10, 10, 11, and 12 are all uh, technically PS2, too, as well. Well, it's one's PC, but anyway. it's kind of They did a really good job of doing, like, three per console, yeah, basically. Say, you know, it, it's like they're, they like running off of that whole trilogy thing. I mean, it's kind of weird that they, people compare this to Star Wars all the time. That was two. Two was just straight up Star Wars. It's great. No, you don't remember that tweet that we had a couple of years ago that went viral where, where it was comparing all uh, Final Fantasy games to Star Wars or something like that. Oh, yeah. No, I saw that. And somebody I think somebody tweeted it at me and I was like, yes, all of this is accurate. Or it was just <laughs> yeah, how it was just just so weird. It, yeah. Anyway, that we're kind of digressing again. but. um no, we just wanted to, we're experiencing this for the first time with you guys, so if anything interesting happens over it, we're going to be the first ones to know about it too, so. Continuing on is the next, the next tune we have is called Crystal Room. I remember this version, or not this version, but this music in the Crystal Rooms of the uh, DS remake, and it doesn't sound very much different. I mean, I still get the same feeling. Granted, yes, it sounds a ton different, but... Just that feeling you get listening to that. It, it, it does... Go ahead. I don't want to say it's scary, but, like, it has... It elicits there's, a response that we're not expecting. There's tension there. Yes, but it's it's also it also elicits kind of I get in a bit of an ethereal feeling with it because you know we're in a, a room with a sentient mineral or the remnants of said uh, said crystal. Yeah, and it was because did we shatter crystals in three or was that five? I want to say that the crystals shattered for other reasons, or they were... Because we break them in four on purpose. We shat they shatter in five and give us our job shards. I don't remember if they break in three or not, or if they uh, no, corrupt. I, well, uh, I want to say... I'm not going to... Hang remember. on. I got it. Hang on. Just keep going. I got <laughs> you in a minute. <laughs> reason, I, yeah, it's been a while since I played the remake. Um... Like I said, it's been many years since I've had my DS, so... I, I remember playing through it, I remember getting my job, you know, the new jobs from each crystal. I don't remember if they end up shattering or not. I, I want to say that they were... stolen? Or was that four that I'm thinking of? Four is when we're stealing them. Well... Or they're getting stolen, we're trying to save them, or... Keep them from getting stolen, or and then we have to go to the dwarves, and there's another four, and then we go to the moon, and it's a whole thing. So once we get through that first crystal room, we finally get to the 
This is the Final Fantasy III opening theme. When the wind crystal speaks to us. Yes. This is... There we go. I was just waiting for that part. God, I will never get tired of hearing that. Right? Ever. Ever. It sounds so good every time. So many feelings. Like I said, a lot of this brings me back to one, but just listening to all of this, it's just was written so well. But yeah, this is the first cave, the wind cave is basically just your primer, your your tutorial to get into the game. And now and they give you your first handful of jobs and yep, you go from being your freelancer, your onion knight into being able to do white mage, fighter um the real basic jobs. Black Mage, Monk, and Thief. Okay, so it is the original six jobs. It doesn't have, uh, yeah, like you have red as well, so you have red, white, uh, red, white, black, and then Warrior, Thief, Monk. Yeah, it's the it's the OG FF16. It was, I saw it in the chat earlier. After two, they went, oh crap, hang on, go back, and they just kind of rolled it back to where FF1 was at. But the biggest difference being, you can change your jobs, and you're encouraged to level up different aspects of the jobs and use that information, use what you learn to kind of create some really interesting dynamics. You have unique characters by the end of it because everybody is different. Because you need a damage dealer, you need a healer, you need a magic user, and then you kind of have a floater. But then when your magic user is sort of tapped out, you're like, well, what do I do with this person? It's like, well, they already maxed out on white magic. What if you level them up in fighter so that they can use armor and still cast white eight magic and just dismantle things? It's crazy. It's awesome. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, this is the true introduction to the job system in Final Fantasy. This was it. And then it showed up again in five. And then they were like, hang on, this isn't working for our numbered system, which is why you see it so prevalent in the tactics series. That's where the job system ended up moving. So if you missed it, it's or, over there. Or the MMOs. Yes. Or yeah. 11 and 14 as well. Yeah. The, yeah. That's what the MMOs. Yep. I mean, because it, it fits so well to be able to customize your character in an online RPG like this. And there's nothing better than being able to be like, oh, hey, I want to be a tank today. Let me log off and log in as a completely separate character that had to Ugh. do everything again. No, let Ugh. me just grab this axe real quick. Let me grab a sword. Let me grab yeah, a th frying pan. Thanks, EverQuest. Gross. Thanks, WoW. I'm not going back to that ever. Thanks, Ultima Online. UO was jank, and I loved it. <laughs> Well, I miss you out sometimes. Those are the, the ones that had one one character, one job. Yep. Yep. You know, you, you, uh, friend of the show Bannon played UO for like twelve years. It was incredible the stuff that he pulled off. It was awesome. But yeah, if you wanted to do something different, you had to start over from scratch. And who has time for that in this day and age? I love the fact that if you want to try something different, you, you don't have to start a whole new character, but you can level up what you've got. And if you wanted to jump into end content again, you can continue to use 
your same character just changed your weapon, boom. Or hit a button, and you got a macro that changes all of your gear. Done. Or in 11, hey, I, you I, go back to your house, and you change your, your job, and you're done. Or it's like, today, I was like, oh, I need to level up Archer. I'm gonna grab a bow. I'm gonna do two dungeons. Blow all my rested EXP. I walked into Tamtara at 16. I came out at 20. Mm -hmm. I did my job class. I was at 21. I walked into, I think it was Sestasha, and I came out at 24, and then I teleported to your house. <laughs> like, that's how fast it went. It just took, like, no time. All right. Anyway, let's, we're, we're digressing again. But, I mean, like I said, it's, it's hard to not talk about the game mechanics themselves when we talk about the music as well. So, if we, if we get into that... Yeah, I mean, I, I loved playing 3. You know, the, the bit that I played, I mean, I don't remember, you know, everything verbatim, but I remember it was, the music was fun, and uh, the game itself, you know, ha led to a lot of good times. Um, but let's go into the next piece of music called My Hometown. This is the town theme for Final Fantasy 3. Um, and for all of the floating continent towns except for Tozis and Gissel, this was the song that played. Now, I know in the remake, they actually, I believe, split off and made multiple town themes for each, a, a lot of the different individual towns in the game. Any of the ones that were very story-heavy. Yeah, um, where the characters came from especially. Exactly, but if it was just the here's a town, it's conveniently placed and there's gear at it that's a little better than yours. Nope, stock town theme. But it still has that general town theme like we got from FF1, FF2. It just has its own spin to give it the, the feel that, hey, this is a different game. But it also has more depth. I just love listening to this. Who'd have thought it's that, calming. that listening to 8-bit music would be so calming in this day and age? It's grounding, and that is something that we all need. When we've got, you know, systems that are recreating um, instrument sounds perfectly listening to something like that it you know there is a, a huge you know retro resurgence in the music uh, industry absolutely so listening to this is it's not only is it nostalgic and calming but it's also just it's it's nice to go back and 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 and, and listen to the things that uh came before gives us perspective on the stuff that we have now this next theme, everybody knows, especially if you've been playing Shadowbringers. This is Final Fantasy III's iconic theme. Probably my favorite song on the on the soundtrack. Eternal Wind. Eternal Wind. Wind. 
so good. This is the world map theme. So you hear this song so much. Because if you're like me, you were sitting on the world map trying to grind out, you know, levels to, to increase your job skills for this job, that job, the other job, and when you get to a certain point, you'd switch out, go through the penalties, and then continue to level up on other things so you could kind of round yourself out and figure out, okay, what's the best thing to do for XYZ dungeon that's coming up here. But yeah, so much time listening to this music, and it's just so good. Is this the track that was also titled The Breeze, or is there another track that's The Breeze? I don't me, remember. Let me look while we listen. Now, there may have been something else in the game, but there's nothing else in the soundtrack. Nope, totally different track. Never mind. I'm going crazy. Yep. Well, like I said, um, the previous games had 23 sounds in their game. The soundtrack alone has 44. There were Jeez. also another 15 to 20 just sound effects in the game as well that we're not going to be listening to tonight. So this is just what's on. These are just the songs. So we're going to have to maybe go a little bit faster. <laughs> That's but, okay. Also, we could definitely skip prep if we need to. But no, we, we'll, we'll keep going. That's fine. Next right, song cool. is... Um, plays in, in Kazu's and Castle Sasune while under the Jean's curse. This is Jean the Fire. Or the Genie's Curse. Oh God, I remember this. This is the song that you're like, oh, because everything is going wrong. This song definitely reflects that. Yeah, there's def it definitely has a little bit of a sinister feel to it. Also, this margarita tastes delicious. I'm glad. <laughs> you don't want to know how much alcohol is in it. Uh, I'm hoping a bunch. At 50%, yes. Good. It's six ounces, it's four ounces of tequila, two ounces of triple sec, and then filled with ice and sour mix. Man. <laughs> I need my high ace van to come in off the boat so I can come visit you. <laughs> So yeah, that plays while the uh, those areas are under the genie's curse. But the next areas that we visit, another dungeon. Or the dungeon, as it is called. I was going to say, this is the, the generic dungeon mm -hmm. sound. But yeah, I remember listening to this, the, the DS version of it, but... It would play a lot, because you explore a lot of dungeons, too. Yes. But you didn't spend as much time in the dungeons as you did on the overworld. At least I didn't, when I played through. 
No, the dungeons were like you you, you hated level, you. Yeah, you level up till you can get through the dungeon, basically. Yeah, the dungeon was a puzzle. Yep, you didn't spend a lot of time there because, like a lot of the early Final Fantasy games, your resources were limited, and you needed to be able to get back to a town and heal up. So if you tried to uh, spend too much time grinding in a dungeon, yeah, that's just asking for trouble. You'd run out of healing, you'd run out of items, you'd run out of money. And then you'd die. And there's nothing you can do about it. So you had to level up to, so you got to a high enough level where you thought you could take the boss on pretty easily. Because, I mean, even then, it was a challenge. And once we finally get through said dungeon and uh, take out the genie... This is what plays after defeating the Jin. Played at Kazu's and, and Castle Sasune. Also played at Seronia after defeating Gilgameth. Yes, Gilgameth. Yeah, G translations were rough. Gigameth, excuse me. Gigameth, not Gilgameth. I, I see that as the Gilgamesh. But Greg didn't oh, come yeah. until 5. Yeah, Greg showed up in 5. He was a... The Gigameth was actually a, 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 was a turtle, wasn't it? That sounds right. Or something it's like hard. That. All this is like I've played, I've played all of this, but it was so long ago that it's like I don't remember anymore. This is also in theater rhythm Final Fantasy as the result screen theme. Oh, it is. That's right. God, theater rhythm was fun. That is a game that needs headphones, big time. Um, okay, according to this, Gigameth was a general. Uh, adv an evil advisor to King Gorn of Seronia. He took control of the king's mind with magic spell and forced the soldiers of Seronia to engage in civil war. So, he wasn't a giant turtle, after all. He was not, in fact, a turtle. He was a red-headed, mustachioed bastard. That's oddly specific, but all right, let's go <laughs> well, with it. No, his, his sprite had red hair and a mustache. So, yeah, he's a red-headed, mustachioed bastard. So once we uh, defeated uh, Gigameth, or, you know, the, the gene, we, all, we had to go on a, on a journey. We had to climb the Dragon's Peak. Or we had to fly around on an airship called the Invincible. What was later? Dragon's Peak is like one of the very early it is. mini dungeons. It is, but I'm just saying this music also plays on the deck of the Invincible. I love that they that they order the music in uh, basically the order which is played within the game. That's a very convenient little factor on this soundtrack that I'm noticing as well. Which, so, when did this play? Well, don't worry about it. We got you. And in, in, if, we, if it's been a while since you played a game, it, it's, it's a, a good reminder to help you kind of through the game a little bit, so. So apparently, shortly after we, we get past Dragon's Peak and we go around, we find this cute little village of gnomes. 
called Tozus. It's such a good little song. <laughs> it's so stupid, and I love it so much. This, in case you couldn't tell, this song plays in the village of Tozus, the village of gnomes. I'm bobbing my head, by the way, if that's so okay. So I. <laughs> it's so good. <sighs> Please let us know if, if you guys are having issues hearing the music out in the, in the stream. I want to make sure that you guys can hear it, too. Because it's so neat, we just want to make sure everybody's able to enjoy it. Absolutely, absolutely. Now, the next bit of music that we get in this game um, comes from another um, very important location within the game, the Shrine of Nept. Or I believe that in I believe in the the remake it was called Neptune Shrine. I think yeah, I think it's Neptune Shrine. This is just you know this is as we're trying to get uh, access to the ship. We had to, like, go through this this dungeon and, and beat this boss, or do something. I, I'm trying to remember everything we have to do here. The Nepto Dragon or something like that? Does that sound familiar? Was there a dragon in this area? Or was that earlier? I don't remember. I, like I said, I, I'm, I'm... I remember going to the location, doing something, and then getting access to this. This is the music for the Enterprise, or the-, the Your the, boat. The, like the, your boat boat, the, not the, your the airship. Sa the sailing ship. Yep. I like that they, that they start giving the ship names, not just ship. Well, yeah, because it's like, oh, we found the airship. Which one? Well, the airship, there's only one. And it's like, okay, well, what if the world has three? Oh, well, crap, now we have to name them, I guess. So that's where we started getting the Enterprise. And the Invincible. Yep. And what else have we gotten? We've gotten, um, there's been a number of different names of the ship. And different games, different ships, different SIDs, but yeah, I, I know in the, general. I know the Invincible was a, a pretty badass ship on 9. It was. It was also a pretty bad ship for a while. Eh, it got there. Yeah, we'll talk about that in a few episodes. Alright, so as we start sailing around the, uh, the floating continent, we, we find a whole bunch of different areas. Like, the living forest. I don't remember much about this place. I don't even recognize this song, to be honest. It's a nice theme, though. It's been though. so long. It's a really nice theme. I like it. A lot of what I remember is still coming up in the game. 
Our next theme comes from the village of the ancients. It's called Time Remains. So this was, was this part of when you got like the kind of the next phase of your quest, so to speak? Possibly. I mean, because, you know, the floating continent is only about, what, two thirds of the game? Yeah. The four more stuff starts taking exactly, over your time. Exactly. Or uh, and, until other stuff happens and you have to go something, do something else. But uh, this, there was a lot of old people in the village, I remember. And I, there was a pretty big area. A lot of people to talk to. I remember that. It must be just funny listening to the two of us trying to remember this game. Yeah, it's like, hey, remember 30 years ago? Nah. Alright, cool. We're gonna do an episode about it. Remember 20 years ago? What? Remember 15 no. years ago? Do you, I man, don't, man. It's like, dude, I don't In remember January, yesterday. In January, I moved to another country with no plans to come back. That was six months ago. Dude, I don't know what's going on. In March, I lost my job, dude. <laughs> yeah, th this has been, yeah. It, yeah. Expecting us to remember something that happened <laughs> this long ago. Well, I can hardly remember what happened last week. Yup. Seems legit. But it's still a nice theme. It's calming. Mm-hmm. And, and this is a, a spot where I think that a lot of things are kind of expounded upon the party. We learn more about what the floating continent is. That it's a part of this world, not just the whole the world. world. It's the world as most people know it, but the ancients know more. But shortly after we talked with the ancients, we meet some other little friends. Raise your hand if you recognize the song. Both of my hands are raised. You can't see it, but they're both up. <laughs> and they expounded upon it in this version. If you remember from the last episode, there was only the first half of this song. They added a little bit of a beginning bit, and then they had the original part that they created in Final Fantasy II. But then they added the da 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 And we're gonna play it again. Oh, no we're not. I guess. If I do that we will. Oh, let's talk about the next- the next track. It's a good track. No, but this one's even better. I mean, this gets- this- this has us closer to the modern Chocobo theme. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, we- we now get the whole- the whole feeling that we're used to, the, the whole, the whole verse. We don't have just the first part. We don't have just, you know, we have the, the chorus, that the bridge that joins the two pieces together. It makes it just a whole nice feeling bit. But like, like Talas was saying, I mean, there's not just these lovely little, little horse birds. They come in varying sizes. Who has the fat chocobo mount? 
good. Who recognizes this song? I love this song. So silly and who, wonderful. Who pictures Stewie following around a fat chocobo with a, a tuba? I mean, I do now. <laughs> You're welcome. Badum, 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 badum. <laughs> you gotta love the fat chocobo theme. This was it's a good theme. The first appearance, I believe, of the fat chocobo. Yes. And fat chocobo has appeared in many of the other games. I mean, I know it's in four. Uh, we have many versions of the fat chocobo in fourteen as mounts. Because we have, I know we have the one that has the gastro greens. We have one that has the slice of cake. Well, there, okay, there's, there's the yellow one. Oh, there's, okay, there's two versions of the yellow one. Because there's the, there's the one with the gistle greens and the one, no, the cake is the one, is the same one, but it can fly. Uh, okay. There's the one that you get with the crown. For commends. Oh, yes. I don't have that one yet. There is the black fat chocobo. And then there is the white fat chocobo. Those came out as... Do you need... I believe... Uh, white fat chocobo was a, uh, an Amazon thing. Oh, right, right. And black fat chocobo, I don't remember. That one might also might have been another Amazon thing. But yeah. Everybody's favorite bird that, that likes cake, I guess. All right, so once you meet the Chocobos and their, their big buddy, um, the next uh, new piece of music we get comes from another important location in the game. The ominous Tower of Owen. You know some shit's going on here. They're doing the trill thing again. With the in the background. There's background music. There's multiple layers. And you got the whole. <laughs> the things that they're able to do. Sounds so good. <laughs> yeah, for something that's 8-bit. And now the, the... And yet. And then the next theme... A lot of people are going to also, you know, attribute these to Chocobos because it's their favorite food. From the little village of Gisal, this is... Gisal Greens. Uh, yeah, the um, the Japanese title of this is um, uh, Gisaru no Yasai, 
Yasai is vegetable. Yes, veg veggies of Gasol. Yeah. So if you ever get, um, if you're ever at a ramen restaurant and you hear like from behind the counter, they start yelling for Yasai, it means that they need veggies. And it usually means the, uh, the greens, the wilted greens that go into your, your ramen. Mm. Now, I remember this next bit. I played through this dungeon a lot because it gave some damn good experience. Castle Hain. Oh, this is when you're, uh... Let's see. When is this? This is like... You're, this is still floating continent, if I yeah, remember right. This is still floating continent. We got a lot of floating continent stuff. Uh, yeah. This is like the Golden Palace or something like that. Doesn't Hain like like a lot of gold stuff? Yes, this is the very shiny one. You can get if you needed a lot. If you needed a um, gill, this is a great place to farm. The, yep. enemy, the enemies here gave a lot of experience. So you could level up real fast. You could buy new gear if you needed it for other characters, for other jobs. I spent a lot of time in here and then going back to uh, either Tozis or Gissel. This was one of the exceptions of a place that I would actually farm in for a, a dungeon. You wouldn't go too far in that was, Yeah, this was a dungeon that was stable enough that you could do it consistently. Well, the, the farming area that I used was actually only in, in the first two floors. So it was very easy to get out. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah, don't dig too deep so you're able to actually get out without dying. And I want to say at this point we actually had access to teleport. If you had it, yes. If you bought it. So I think I used that a bit too. But now if you continued within the castle and you met the boss. Oh god, here it is. This is this is the one of the couple of tracks that is really iconic for me. Yep, this is they call this battle too, but it is a boss theme. And it's one of the longer themes too. I mean, it's a minute 40. It's a boss fight. You're going to be in there a while. Oh yeah. I mean, there's a lot of uh, stuff to do in a boss fight. Especially if you like, you know, as a speedrunner, if you know the boss fight, you're like, oh yeah, it's not too bad. It's only about three or four turns. If you go in there and you don't know, Boss fights will take you 10 minutes. Oh, yeah. Easy. And this is just such fitting music for a boss fight. It does all that rise, and then it does that fall, and then it levels out, and then it rises again, and then it falls, and then it plateaus. It's weird. It's weird pacing, but it sounds really good. Yeah, it feels like you're getting beaten up, but then you, then you're you're catching up to them, and you're you're able to stabilize. But then you're starting to beat them up again. But then he started to he gets like another level of power, and he starts beating on you again. And you're like, but it's no, that's not how it works. I'm supposed to win. I'm the warrior of light. Maybe. No, I'm the warrior of light. <laughs> Shut up, Angus. <laughs> Aww. 
We all know Luna's is best. He kind of is. So that is the boss fight. But let's say you didn't make it. Or you made a wrong turn. Or you got unlucky and got stoned four times. Ugh, that's the worst. This is the Requiem. This is the, 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 the music that speedrunners hate. Can confirm. But it's pretty. It is pretty. But they also realize that people don't want to listen to it, so they didn't make it nearly as long as from Final Fantasy 1. Short, sweet, you died, move on. Yep. Alright, so let's say you didn't die. Instead, you get through it. And you're able to upgrade the Enterprise. And you lift off. This is called Go Above the Clouds. And it plays when you fly the airships Enterprise and Nautilus. Effectively airship theme, but yep. it's so good. Well, I mean, like I said, there are three different airships within this game, or three different ships that you have. You've got the Enterprise, we just learned the Nautilus, and we, we had the Invincible from before. I forget about the Nautilus. Nautilus seems like that should be the, 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 the water ship, though, doesn't it? It sounds like it sounds air to me. I wonder if it's just the chords that they picked. No, no, but I'm, no, I'm, yeah, this is definitely an airship theme, but the name Nautilus invokes water to me. Yes. So I'm wondering why they called the, the Nautilus an airship. Or why they why called the named an airship the Nautilus, I should say. Well, we have, um... Because Enterprise definitely, well, Enterprise can be both. Because, I mean, you think about the... Right. the yeah. To us, Enterprise is both because we got introduced to it being, we might have been introduced to it being a space-bound vessel, as opposed to being a water-bound vessel. But anyway, anyway, yeah, Nautilus is a submarine. The next Some theme guy named Nemo has one. Yep. The next theme. <laughs> this is called the Boundless Ocean. It plays when first navigating through the oceans of the world map before fighting the Kraken. And those of you who are familiar with the Final Fantasy Prey album, there was a vocal arrangement of this song performed by Risa Oki. It's amazing. I own the Prey album. It is very nice. very pretty I could just we could just leave this on 
for the next like hour and I'm good. <laughs> I'm not sure what the podcast would think, but I mean, probably not great, but it wouldn't be a great podcast. I'm sure the, guy, the people watching live here at twitch.tv slash Phoenix on radio might enjoy it, but uh... <laughs> they'd be like, what is happening? Or they'd be like, oh, that's pretty. Not as pretty as Sanctuary of Zata, but still pretty. Especially, <laughs> especially for an 8-bit soundtrack. That's amazing. The next theme, also water-themed, uh, is called Elia, the Maiden of Water. Yes, this was one of the tracks that I mentioned. It's like very iconic for me as this game. This is Elia Bennett's theme, or if it's if you're playing the, uh, the remake, Aria Bennett. Localization is hard. They do a pretty good job of trying to get a flute sound kind of going. Anybody else just sitting back here, just kind of lazily waving back and forth, listening to the music? <laughs> now after we meet uh Elia, we go to the town of water. This is played in the town of Amur. Obviously a town that has a lot of uh story significance, so it gets its own theme. And around the time when we're trying to get to the water crystal. Isn't it funny how certain sounds can evoke certain feelings of, like, elemental affinity? Dif different chords sound like water or like right wind. And different, or wind or, or fire. fire jinx oh snap <laughs> but you can keep talking that's fine in it in this town the the team has to do something very special very different for a final fantasy game They have to learn to play the piano. And yes, they're trying to play for Elise, which is kind of funny. <laughs> Remember this scene? Eventually they get it. <laughs> wow. <laughs> You mean I do not remember that scene, but I desperately want to do. That was so good, man. 
once they learn, there's a specific song you have to learn in the game. And once you finally get it, everybody at the bar is all like, yay! And you get like some item or something. And then the next theme, I'm trying to remember it. Um, so if you play the piano in a mortar, this song unlocks. Would you expect this in a Final Fantasy game? Oh, and this is like really throwing me off because I do not remember this part at all. Yeah, I'm not sure if it was in the remake. I don't know if it was, and honestly, I haven't played a uh, super unlegit version of 3 in a while, so I don't remember. But it's pretty amazing that we go from... <laughs> to... Unrealistic expectations of practice. That is what I have to say to that. Yep. Then to the swift twist, you got the little whole boogie-woogie thing going on there. I was going to say, that is some 1930s swing going on in there. 50s, maybe. Is it 50s? 40s, 50s, I guess. Boogie-woogie. So then, See, once you get the swift twist, there are a few old guys that you meet or good old fellows I don't remember the four old men to be honest with you I don't either <laughs> like not even a little bit but I like the theme they seem like interesting comedic relief at least if this music is any judge All right, we're about two thirds of the way through, I think. This is a long soundtrack. Well, it's only an hour, but there's just forty. There's forty four different uh, forty four tracks, and we're we're, yeah. we're talking a little over it too. Fair. The next theme is called "In the Covert Town," um, the hidden town of Falgabard. Is this like the town in the fog or something? I think this is the... That was part of why it was considered hidden, because it was supposed to be in that foggy area. Yeah, I'm, tr I'm trying to remember this. There's a lot of story in this game that I just don't remember. It's a very dense game. It is. A lot happens. I mean, you can easily spend 30 hours in this game, but, you know, if you actually just push through the storyline, I mean, there's a lot that happens very quickly. Yes. Most of the game actually is spent leveling and changing and, and acquiring jobs. So a and lot then of, you get your little bursts of story. Yep. So a lot of your time is actually spent doing a lot of leveling. At least it was for me. 
So, you know, the actual storyline bits of it may not have been standing out as much, you know, so, I mean, there's certain bits that I remember more than others. So now this next piece is uh, from one of the uh, large uh, castles. The Castle Salonia. It's a very regal sounding theme. This was like the big castle in, in the uh the in the floating continent, wasn't it? One of them, yeah, there's two. This is the second one. If it's the one I'm thinking of. Oh, you think the other one being Sasune? Yeah, I from think the, the first from one is Sasune. From and the then beginning, and then this, this is, one is yeah. across the, the, the across the continent. Yes. I'm still amazed at the quality of the uh, music that's that's produced by an 8-bit processor. I'm also happy that we were able to preserve it so that we get to listen to it now and it still sounds this good. Mm-hmm. Now, we had mentioned before that the Nautilus was an airship, and I thought that it seemed like it should be a better name for, like, a... a a sea ship or maybe even a submarine well it turns into a submarine and while you're underwater this is the theme that plays deep under the water I see what you did there womp womp <laughs> This definitely evokes kind of a peaceful underwater scene. Well, anything's better than the uh, the water temple maze from FF1. That was gross. Actually, doesn't this isn't this um, after we go to the uh, after we leave the floating continent? Then we go to the world of darkness. I think, yeah, I think this is the second part. I think this is after we leave. Because I don't remember having to go underwater, I, but I, I do remember, you know, in the in the first part, but I do remember having to explore uh, underwater ruins in the world of darkness. So this would have all happened after all of the crystals were corrupted. Or destroyed, or whatever happened to them. <laughs> whatever happened in this game. Yes. <laughs> whatever fate befell the crystals. Well, I'm not a huge fan of Brental Floss. One of his 
parody lyrics was we must save the crystals or orbs or the moon or whatever. It's like, yeah. All right, this next piece is called Beneath the Horizon, and it plays in the sunken cave. I do remember this theme. I remember this one. It's been... This was one of the dungeons that I had, like, over-leveled, so I just kind of, like, burned through it. So I didn't hear this one for very long. I'm trying to remember if, if any other... if this has been redone in 14 at all. I don't think it has. I know a number of pieces were taken for Crystal Tower or for other pieces within, like, Eternal Wind was, you know, redone now for Shadowbringers. Bits of the battle themes were taken. But I don't recall if this one has been redone. I don't recall either. I don't think so. It's kind of got an interesting theme and, and feel to it, though, doesn't it? I'm confused by it. Like, not in a bad way. It just doesn't... It doesn't set the way I think it would mm -hmm. in my head. Well, like I said, this is a sunken cave that you're exploring right now, so... And I, I already posted the link to where you can get this soundtrack if you're interested in picking it up on Amazon. Like I said, I, I'm enjoying it. It's, it. I think it was a great uh, $8 spent to uh, preserve the legacy of um, old Final Fantasy music. Now, once you get through the sunken cave, a few names that are familiar to us who played through the uh, um, Crystal Tower scenario in Final Fantasy XIV will recognize Une, Doga. This is called Let Me Know the Truth. And this plays at Une's Shrine, Doga's Manor, and Doga's Grotto. Oh, wait, hold on. I think I played the wrong song. This one. This Better, yeah. Yes, yeah, sorry. I, I clicked twice, I think. Here we go. Yes. This is Let Me Know the Truth. I'm sure they had to have reused this in Crystal Tower somewhere. So use a lot of a lot of the stuff that they use in Crystal Tower, they specifically set up so that you don't hear all of the song. You just hear enough of it to sort of remind you of it. Yep. So and that way they can separate themselves. I think in the in the scene where we're actually talking with the clones is where we hear this. I think you're right. And I don't think confirmed that they did have it, but I think that's where it was at. Um, and Nick confirmed again. Now, this is the loot of Noah. This plays when you use the item called the loot of Noah. But no, Noah is not an, organiz uh, an organization that uh, is destined to um, preserve the history of Eorzea. <laughs> 
So not designed to kill snow. Or that either. <laughs> or that was Operation Nora. That was what no, that yeah. was. Anyway. Now the next song plays during a cutscene involving Une at Une's shrine called Good Morning. <laughs> Une's morning exercise, this is also called. It's a janky, janky song, and I love it so much. <laughs> Can you just picture them doing, like, silly calisthenics? Doing all the, like, radial stretching. Anybody that's ever been, uh, been to Japan or has worked with Japanese co-workers might know what I mean. Or, or doing the, the whole hand clapping and the stretching and the... Yep. The touching the toes and reaching for the sky, touching in the toes, reaching for the sky. That whole thing. Yep, that's that's the radial, uh, the radio stretching. <laughs> it's all done to music too. Yep. We did it at Nintendo. It was great. So, Ohio, good morning. Now we were talking earlier about the Invincible, but. It has its own bigger theme. When you fly when you finally get it to fly around in the world of darkness, you get to hear this. Is it, it is so neat that they give multiple different themes to the different airships to make them feel different. Because they wanted it to be such an iconic and important moment that you have an airship and it's yours and then it gets taken away and then you get it back. Or you get a better and, one back. And that's kind of the whole theme for three, right? Is it's like, you're going to switch jobs, you think it's better, but it's kind of not for a while, but then you are stabilized and then you grow into even greater pieces of power. You fall into a cave, you lose everything, and then you're blessed by the light. You find a castle where nothing is particularly going that well, but they agree to help you if you help them, and then you're off on an adventure. The whole adventure is you lose stuff, and then you find something, and that allows you to continue further and be better than you thought you were. All right, now this next piece is probably going to in induce a little bit of PTSD on some 14 players, potentially. God. It's named <laughs> Forbidden Land. The Forbidden Land of Eureka. God, it's so terrible. The music is good. The 14 content of, of Eureka, not as much. Did you see the, uh, the death comes for your dog comic? And it's like, was I a good boy? And it's like, no, I was told you were the best. And this was somebody replaced it with Eureka Animos. It goes, was I good content? And no. death just says no. no. And just walks off with it. But once you get through Eureka, we're getting towards the end of the game. And this is where it gets awesome. 
Come on. I know you recognize this song. The Crystal Tower. I wonder where this music is from. I don't know. Weird. Yeah, right? This was my, like, I was in college. I didn't have time to play hardcore enough to get all the gear I needed to do Binding Coil. Uh, so I was just doing the 50, the 24 mans. So I was, like, way into Crystal Tower when it was super relevant. So I definitely know this music well. <laughs> Nicknar. Such a troll. Always. I mean... I mean... That is one of my issues with Matoya's Cave, is it plays in the Sage's Cave, and I'm like, wait, no, this is her song, you can't have it! Yeah. I mean, I understand, they, they, they were dealing with limitations, and they had to, you know, do things in order to get past them, but... And that's why we have gray imps. Yes, and red imps, <laughs> and green imps. But now... We have the Dark Crystals that plays in the World of Darkness. God, this is so good. You know that something's going on here. It's... It's kind of got a mixed feeling though, because this part is a little bit more upbeat. That initial bit, yeah. though, was very tension-filled. When you knew that it's like, something is not right. I don't know what, but something is not right. Yeah, this bit right here is where the tension is felt. But then it, it like, it, it resolves and something is like, it's, it's kind of odd. It might be the tequila talking, but... <laughs> no, this is definitely... You know that something is wrong. You've sensed it for a while. But we're getting closer. We're about to discover the truth of what's happening in this world. I can feel it. But what is that thing? I love the title of this track. This is the last battle. In case you were curious where the track is from. This track is from the last battle. It's from the opportunities when you meet Cloud of Darkness. Yes, there are both there are two occasions when you when you uh, meet up with Cloud of Darkness. Was there one early on? Um, no, but you you don't. Well, it's what it says in the in the notes that I've pulled. Both occasions when the party meets Cloud of Darkness. Okay, because I know you. I think you talked to her a couple times, well, but I think you're in well. battle with her twice. Yeah. 
Here we go. So if you've ever fought the Cloud of Darkness in 14, a lot of the, the, the theme from this is repurposed there. It's so good. Watch out for the giant laser beams! Kill ads! Stop standing in bad! Do not hang out in the danger pancake, please! That's what you should have gotten out for your minion. You should have gotten uh, the, puff of of darkness? the Puff of Darkness minion. Hang on, I can make that happen for the last couple minutes there of the show. There you go. <laughs> Get out the poof poof of darkness. Get out the poof poof! I had I to fight so many, so many times to finally get that minion. I do have it. I think it took me okay. until uh, Stormblood to get that minion. There, there she we go. is. <laughs> Perfect. If we can only get the, the two to fight. That would be awesome. Now, once you finally defeat the Cloud of Darkness, the Poof Poof of Darkness, the world is safe again. Yes. The everlasting world. The ending theme to Final Fantasy III. Such a pretty little theme. And it's only six and a half minutes long. <laughs> we gotta scroll through those credits, which, you know, Square Enix NES days, those credits were like, what? 16 people? Well, no, I... Maybe 20? I would bet you there was a lot more people who worked on Final Fantasy 3 than there was Three. on the first two. Oh god, FF1, the credits are literally, like, less than 20 people. There's, like, nobody in it. Which is why none of the spells work, and a bunch of other stuff is broken. Yeah, well, 3 I... is definitely a lot better. There's a lot more people. Mm -hmm. I love how they go through different uh, phases of the game in the ending credits. You get different feels based off of, you know, different parts, you know, that, that you had to to blow through, you know, to, to get to this point. And it reminds you of them. I love when songs do that. But as we've been alluding to a lot, you know, there was a remake of Final Fantasy III. You know, it was the first time a lot of us in the U.S. were actually able to play it for the first time. You know, on the, on the Nintendo DS. And not only did they remake the graphics, and they actually made the made actual characters, it wasn't just four random Warriors of Light. We had Lunith, Refia, Ark, and... Um, Ingus. Ingus, thank you. He's the, he's the one I always forget. 
I wonder why. <laughs> well, he's... I know him because he's the Earth one, because in the TCG, all four of the Warrior of Light kids from the 3 remake get their own element. And they all have Lord abilities, so... Yes. They're but, very, very good cards. But with that, they remade all of the music as well, so you get a lot... Well, it's, just, it's the same music, but it's just kicked up a few notches. And it's like we get that we get actual flutes. Yes. Right in that one track. Um, uh, my hometown uh, is, I believe, it's also called "Roaming Sheep." Is one of the other alternate titles for it. Well, that might have been a different track, but like, that's another song that like has a way more in-depth version. Um, it is available on uh, GBA if you can find it. Uh, it's on PSP. You can find it there. Vita. Uh, it's on Vita. Steam. It's on the PlayStation Store, and so you can play it on Vita, PSP, and PS3 if you still have one. It's on um, Steam. It's on iOS, Android. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, I have it on my Kindle Fire. Like, <laughs> I mean, you. It's available. Yeah. But but we may. What we may end up doing, depending on on how things go, is we might end up revisiting the remakes as well. If that's something you're interested in, let us know. And we can maybe look at, uh, you know, looking at the music of the remakes of some of these games. Touch base on those iconic tracks from each particular game. Exactly. As the ending Everlasting World continues to play in the background. It's beautiful music. I, I applaud their attempt at drums. Even though they did their up, best, it sounds more like explosions. Yeah, <laughs> it kind of does. Get that out of your head now. Yeah, we may end up revisiting this and uh, and take a look at the the remade versions. Um, as far as what other games we'll end up talking about, what we might do is I think we're gonna focus for now on the mainline games. And when it comes to the ones that have multiple soundtracks, like 11, 14, we're gonna have to split them up. Definitely, we're not gonna be 13th. able to go through. God, no. 13 soundtrack is four discs. I mean, a lot of these may end up being multiple shows worth. Like a future us problem. Yeah. I think we're be... We'll, I'm not sure how long the sound... I'm gonna have to look to see how long the soundtrack is for 4, 5, and 6, and we're gonna have to plan it out at that point. We may end up having to split those into two as well. Yeah, that's Something like six, I definitely want to have Sarah back for that one. Oh, yeah. Because I think that's a lot of people's favorite game. Yep, and five is one of my favorite games. I've speedrun it multiple times, so... 
I'm just going to mute myself and only speak when spoken to. Otherwise, we'll never get out of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about? You, it, it takes you only a few hours to get through that game, right? Oh, God. It takes like, I mean, it still takes like 12 or 15 hours, sometimes 20, depending on what I get. But then again, your name isn't, um, why can't I think of his name now? The speedrunning god of Final Fantasy. Uh, Puexel? Yes. Yeah. No, Puexel's a beast. Um, but when it but takes no, him eight hours to get through Final Fantasy VI, you know it's a long game. That was hypnotic. That was so much fun to watch. Oh my god. That was just two years ago at uh, um, yeah, SGDQ. Uh, SGDQ. I've yeah. also watched him play like Chrono Here Trigger in six and a half hours. That was good too. I was so hoping to get to SGDQ this year. Good news. Everybody gets to go. It's online. No, I was saying, I mean, live. SGDQ yeah. is held in the cities. Yeah. I mean, hey, I think I know what we're doing for that. Uh, that Toyota high ace trip. <laughs> You're going to come out for SGDQ. Heck yeah. Or D you should, no, dude, come out for detour. Detour oh, 2021. Join we'll pencil me. That in. Join me on the podcast uh, um, panels. All right, we'll pencil. We'll, we'll we'll pencil that in. It, it's April, the first week of April. Ah, uh, that might be doable. So yeah. Anyway, Sweet. sorry. Um, little bit of a non-actual important stuff <laughs> to discuss there. Um, the future has been planned. That is. The soundtrack for Final Fantasy 3. Again, like, like I said, that's the first time I've heard it in its entirety in its original format. I hope you guys enjoyed it as much as I did, because, like I said, it was amazing to listen to what they were able to do with NES hardware. It was super cool. So, like, as you can easily assume... Next episode, we will be discussing Final Fantasy IV. The or if if you're in the in the U.S., Final Fantasy II for the SNES. Yeah, we we enter the hot garbage of the numbering system. Yep. But to everybody else, it'd be Final Fantasy IV on the Super Famicom. Look forward to that. Please look forward to it. Um, we were going to have a prep station, but we are at two hours and almost 20 minutes. This was a longer soundtrack than we anticipated, and we liked it a lot. Also, news happened. Yes, but uh, look forward to uh, another one of those in the near future. Um, going to be some interesting stuff coming from the, the island nation of Favner. Mm-hmm. In the Sea of Jade. Sorry, teasing. Friday. I was going to say, I actually wrote stuff. I know. Like, it's crazy. He did, and I, that's why I wanted him to get through it. I mean, do you think you can do it in 15 minutes? I mean, I can, but it's, it's going to... Uh, yeah, yeah, you know what? Let's do it. If you're down, I'm down. I'm down. Cool, let's do it. <laughs> we talked ourselves into it. Psych. Yeah! I'm so good at sales, I sold myself. Anyway. <laughs> uh, so... For those of you who are like somehow just joining the podcast or whatever, uh, my name is Talos. I like food a lot. I was a professional chef for a number of years before I started doing vehicle sales and a bunch of other nonsense. Uh, 
one of the things I love about food is the history and culture that exists around it. Uh, one of my icons is Anthony Bourdain. I've watched everything he's done. I've read all of his books. And one of the things that I absolutely followed that he suggested was to go everywhere, meet everybody and eat everything and learn the stories behind all of it. So here on Prep Station, we actually kind of dig into the food in Eorzea and we start looking at where it all comes from, because all of the ingredients that exist in the game are real in some form or fashion. And I want to see what our real world equivalents are. And let's see if we've eaten or made any of this stuff before. So across the Sea of Jade, there's an island of Thavnir. And you've seen a few things in your inventory, Thavnirian fill in the blank, whatever, uh, rods at Han, coins, etc. It's one of the, lar- the largest landmass on the bounty uh, with Uznair just south of it. It is known for its alkali sands and the blistering heat of the midday sun. The island's desert climate makes it difficult to grow wheat, making imported high-quality flour valuable on Thavnir. Shoutouts to Gamer Escape for all of this information. Uh, Lassi is a drink made from cultured milk popular in Thavnir. The mint variety is known for its ability to offset the heat, while Rollenberry Lassi is known for its ability to soothe the burn of heavily spiced dishes. Chocobo enjoy the flavor of Thavnarian onions, which are pungent and tear-inducing, and Han lemons, which are foul and bitter. The why, people of Thav- why do you think Wait. it is that they like such uh, pungent and uh, strong flavors? If we look at things like hens and chickens, when we feed them things like corn, they're kind of bored after a while. They eat it for sustenance, but they don't really like it. But it's when we start throwing things like the edges of peppers into it or trim from other vegetables, we start seeing our poultry eat that kind of stuff, even here in the real world. It's when you see those eggs that have those really bright reddish orange yolks. That's because the chickens are eating usually red bell peppers. And that's the thing that's like changing their body chemistry enough that it changes the nutritional pack that their eggs are. Hmm. Fun fact, the yolk is actually the nutrition pack inside the egg. The white is actually what would become the chicken if it fertilized. So for things like so for things like a chocobo, they're having things like Thavnarian onion. Have you ever leveled up your chocobo in this game? Yep, you gotta feed them an onion. You have to feed them the onion. And then we feed them lemons. And when we feed our chocobos different kinds of fruit, it changes the color of their feathers. True. So similar to how we're able to change the color of a, a chicken's yolk, we're also able to change the feathers of our chocobo by feeding it different things. The people of Fafnir are known for alchemy. Mistletoe is one of the potent variety of parasitic plants commonly found growing on acacia trees. According to its custom, if two people meet beneath mistletoe, they must exchange shoes. That's the Thavnarian tradition. Here we have the kiss under the mistletoe, take a berry off, wet bliss, whatever. Why shoes? Because Thavnarian culture is weird, man. I looked into food, not feet. Well, why did you write it then? I need to know. I didn't. I stole it from Fusion. I need, uh, I need to know. Why shoes? Damn it, Moose, tell me. <laughs> Anonymous, you're being paged. Um, <laughs> other fun thing with Tevnarian mistletoe, it's one of the major ingredients that they use to make spirit bond potion. 
So obviously mistletoe is for the bonding of two things. It just might actually be your shoes. Wink. Mm. See how I pulled it around? Anyway. So thank you to Gamerscape and Fusion and Anonymous and everybody else that edits uh, that site. It's super helpful. But what I was reading when I was going through that is I saw something sweet but bitter. I saw spicy flavors. I saw onions. I saw heat. I saw cultured dairy. And to me, I'm seeing a ton of Eastern Asian influence. Subcontinent kind of stuff. Something I'm kind I don't want to pinpoint India exactly because India is just where part of the old the old spice road went through, which is why we have so much stuff in Sichuan provinces, why Thailand has a lot of flavors, why Vietnam has a lot of certain flavors. And you can sort of see if you look at the actual spice road from the 1600s where it went, you can see the cultural and regional changes based on where they ran out of that spice to trade. And also what spices they picked up along the way. So you can see where that ebbs and flows heading from the west edge to the east edge. So honestly, it sounds like curry is what it comes down to for me. Is it sounding very much like if you look at the spice list for something like uh, Indian dish called Rogan Josh, you're seeing a lot of the same kind of ideas as they were alluding to in some of Fednerian cuisine. We also look at things like butter chicken which is a set of warming spices, a couple of sweet leaf spices, tomatoes for that acidity and water content, and also a heavy cream or a cultured cream to really thicken it out and give it that mellow flavor. So cows aren't great to raise everywhere. Uh, Living in Japan for a little while, bovine products are expensive. Milk was okay to get, but it was kind of small containers. Beef was incredibly expensive because certain regions, specifically islands and anything very oceanic, just doesn't really like cows that much. That's where we start seeing other things that are easier to sort of let roam free, give them a lot of space and let them take care of themselves. And that's where we start seeing things like buffalo and goat come into play. So for Rollenberry Lassie, you ha- you both Lassies use fire and water crystals. There's only four ingredients, fire, water, a dairy thing and whatever their flavoring is. Rollenberry Lassie is made with Rollenberries and night milk. Night milk comes from Buffalo. It is sold by the Sahagan. And if you look at other recipes that use it, it's things like cream cheese or bacon bread, anything that's very, very rich and dense and fat forward. The mint Lassie, on the other hand, is made with old goat milk, which at the time of this episode is purchasable in all of the main cities, player housing. You can get it in Kugane and Limsa and everywhere else. So if we look at the difference between those two recipes, we all we're seeing is crystals, flavoring agent, dairy, that's it. When you have fewer ingredients in your recipe, when you upgrade the quality of those ingredients, it really, really shows the difference that you're going to get out of it. Buffalo milk gets used a lot in modern-day India and Pakistan cuisine. It has a super high fat content and a lot higher calcium. For 244 grams of milk, give or take a cup, there's 17 grams of fat in buffalo milk. For a whole cow's milk, not 2%, not 1%, not low-fat, just standard whole cow's milk, you're looking at somewhere in the 8-gram range. 
that's depending on brand and size and availability, but about eight grams, give or take a bit. And if you've ever eaten spicy food, hot wings, blazing challenge, whatever, fat and sugar will help you immensely. It's one of the reasons why beer helps because there's a lot of natural sugar in it. It's part of why blue cheese dressing is served with chicken wings because there's a lot of fat in it. Goat's milk has more like 10 grams of fat in the same amount. It's more than cows. It's a lot less than a buffalo milk, but the globules of fat are generally smaller. The individual little fat pocket cells are actually smaller on their own. So when you're doing things like making cheese or making milk like kefir, you're going to have a lot easier mouthfeel to get through. You'll have a softer curd for that cheese making. So just don't tell Bravelocks about the secret of cheese make, or he might ruin the market board. We don't she. need that. So Bravelocks is a she. Is Bravelocks a she? I don't yes. remember. It's been a while since I did the dungeon. I'm not <sighs> grinding for light anymore. Sarah, you're welcome uh, for, for educating this Philistine. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Anyway, continue. Uh, Aurori just said I'm not doing it in 15 minutes. Rip. Um, Actually, you are. You're, you're, you're doing great. So... It's got the higher water content in goat's milk, so it's a little bit more drinkable. And while it's not perfectly interchangeable with cow milk, goat milk can be used to replace cow's milk in a few applications of things that are cultured or baking. And in the case of Thavnarian, or in this case, Western Asian cuisine, that's a lot of what we're using it for. So the next time you see something like goat's milk or chevra, kefir, or some other product made with a goat milk, try, try it out. and. Yeah, they're a little pricey because goats, especially here in the West, are raised a little bit differently and they're a little bit more specialized. But every once in a while, grab some goat cheese. You will not be disappointed. So, so make sure you always try all the food you want. After all, you are the Socrates of your softened goat cheese. So as long as you are learning about food in Eorzea, remember that education is the kindling of a flame, not the filling of a vessel. Be certain to fill your mind with knowledge and with experience. Mic drop. <laughs> See, I knew you could do it. Where was that time? Like 12 and a half minutes? Something like that. Sweet. Nailed it. <laughs> there you go. Nicely Appreciate done. Appreciate it. Thank you so much for that. And so educational and so informative and so just inspiring. I like food and I like the stories behind it. This was fun to research. I'm glad that I was able to do it. I like turtles. Good job. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. It's the only one that had like in the title. It's perfect. Anyway, thank you so much for that. I do appreciate that. Um, it, hoping on the next episode we're going to be continuing with uh, a, a Lorebrarian's Corner. Um, that's the, the plan at least right now. So look forward to that. Um, but as far as this episode goes, that's going to go ahead and do it. If you liked what you heard, please make sure to like, subscribe, and follow us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. I believe we're just about on Pandora now. I've been working on trying to get that live. Uh, I haven't checked that in a couple of days, but... Um, but we're on Stitcher. We're on Spotify. Check us out there. And if possible, leave us a rating or review. It lets us know what you think of the podcast and helps other people find it. So um, the more you can uh, 
do to help us with that. We really appreciate that. Um, and if you really dig this show, you can consider subscribing here at twitch.tv slash phoenixdownradio, where you'll get access to a number of different uh, um, emotes for in the channel, as well as uh, little subscriber badges. For the, the longer you subscribe, the bigger your badge and the cooler it gets. Like, the really cool people have the beautiful rainbow pinion. It is so nice, isn't it? It's... I love some of the, some of the things we have. Do I still have them? I, I might. I, th- I think you're on seven months, so you've got multiple. Um, y- your subscriber badge is like th- the three, but you have access to the, the actual pinion emote. But if you look at me, or, or Phoenix Down Radio, I can post something here. Post that. You'll see my icon, or my subscriber badge, is a reversed pinion. Oh, cool. So some really neat things that we can do for you guys. Uh, Rory, you don't have yours because you are one of the OG subscribers. You're one of the first 10 who subscribe to our channel. So you get the founders. You get the first, the founders edition. You can turn it off in settings, but uh, I think it's neat to know who our first um, amazing subscribers are. But yeah, there's different levels. Um... Five dollars gets you the base level. Ten dollars will get you an additional emote, and twenty-five dollars will get you the lava scorpion. Praise lava scorpion. <laughs> also, we'll get you varying amounts of currency within the channel when you watch us live. Our tombstones, which you can use to uh, do interesting things within the chat, like unlock other emotes. Or uh, you can you can do some really cool things with with the the, the, the uh, channel currency. But if there's something else that you want us to add into it, let me know, and we can definitely look into uh, adding additional rewards for people who watch the channel on a regular basis. Um, but if Twitch isn't your thing, and but you want to subscribe or help us out, you can go to Patreon.com/slash Phoenix Down Radio, like our amazing friend Aurori Fenrir. And you can uh, pledge uh, your support out there. Um, all proceeds that we get from either of those resources goes towards things like growing the show, covers hosting costs, allows us to I- improve our technology, um, and uh, helps us to do some fun things. Like, we're getting very, very, very close to a thousand followers here on Twitch. Once we hit that point, we're going to do a, a cool giveaway. So, look forward to that once we get to that point. And uh, we're going to use some of those funds to do some really cool stuff. But whatever you do, any kind of support, whether it's emails, likes, tweets and retweets, subs, donations, anything, it's greatly appreciated. We love interacting with you guys and the rest of the community. If you want to send us an email, you can email us podcast at phoenixarmradio.com. You can check out our backlog of uh, podcasts as well as a few other articles out at our website, phoenixdownradio.com. Um, you can hit up all of our different uh, um, VODs for the podcast out on our YouTube page, youtube.com slash phoenixdownradio. And you can also find us out on facebook.com slash phoenixdownradio. We also have a group out there that you can join and we can maybe get that going again and, and make that an interesting place to have discussions. So, Talas, do you have any amazing shout-outs today? 
I have a couple, actually. Uh, first of all, uh, you, you mentioned giveaways, and two weeks ago, uh, I told you guys that if you donated uh, to any of the causes that were out there right now, to Black Lives Matter causes, or anybody that's... Uh, any of the many plethora of things that need support right now, uh, send me a screenshot, and I will send you a coaster from Eorzea Cafe in Akihabara. Uh, nobody took me up on that, so I still have a ton of coasters, uh, so definitely do that if you are interested. You can find me on Twitter, at Talos Marvelous, that's at T-A-L-I-Z Marvelous. Uh, also, shout-outs to the amazing friend of the podcast, Pyrocat, uh, who is not in the chat tonight because it is her birthday, and her parents came up uh, from several states away to take her out to dinner. So shout outs to her. Thank you for all of the amazing help that you have been getting my tech stuff set up so that I can actually be part of the podcast. Well, happy birthday, Pyrocat. I hope you have an amazing evening. I hope you hear this. She will. She listens later. <laughs> nice. And how can people find you? I already said, man, I'm on Twitter at Towels Marvelous. Okay. Sorry. I'm only half listening, apparently. I slid it in the middle this time. <laughs> oh, that's why. I gotcha. And I want to shout out to everybody who's catching us live here at twitch.tv slash Radio. We got Nick Nar, we've got Aurori, I saw GMB Saito, we've got uh, Randomware Studios. Thank you so much for joining us here live. We really do appreciate you guys hanging out with us here. Um, shout out to everybody who's listening out on the podcast. Like I said, if you're, li if you're able to, leave us a like or review. because I want to try and read more of those. They're fun to read, especially the one that said, we want, we like, I like you guys, but uh, get rid of that chili guy. <laughs> that was kind of funny to read. Oh, weird. Odd, but yeah. If they only actually knew chili. Uh, want to shout outs to Talas for, uh, you know, working hard while you're, you know, getting used to your new job. Yeah. New job number two. Yeah. That was, uh. That was an interesting surprise. I appreciate you uh, taking the time to make sure to get some information into the show notes while I've been really busy. Um, shout out to Sarah. I hope you are doing amazing out there. I know uh, everything is uh, still, you know, a lot of stuff is going on and uh, we look forward to your triumphant return with uh, your lore segment. Um, and like I said, thank you so much for joining us tonight for my co-host, uh, Tell us marvelous. I'm Klaus Nightbringer, wishing everybody a wonderful evening. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode. Take care. Phoenix Down Radio is a production of PhoenixDownRadio.com and Illusion Productions. Final Fantasy XIV and Eorzea are trademarks of Square Enix. In-game content for Phoenix Down Radio is a copyright of Square Enix. Open to music for Phoenix Down Radio is provided by Guilty Gear Rocky. Check out the Metal Chocobo theme cover and many other music videos at YouTube.com slash Guilty Gear Rocky. Closing music for this episode is provided by GuitarLanker90. Please check out their full version of Matoya's Cave and other rock video game covers at youtube.com slash GuitarLanker90. The views and opinions expressed in this episode are those of Phoenix Down Radio and its hosts and do not reflect the views of Square Enix.